This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Market Source Real Estate, Five Wives Vodka, and Wizarding Days. We're going to be telling you more about all of them throughout this episode. Let's welcome everybody out today to a brand new episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. If this is your first time listening and you're like, what is this podcast I'm listening to? What did my friend tell me to download? Well, this is a podcast all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. We talk to musicians. We're talking to authors. We're talking to business owners, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries. I mean, I can keep going. I think you guys get the idea, though. We're really talking to anyone that might have a cool story to share. So I want to welcome everybody out today to episode 365. My name is Chris. I am across the table now from my awesome co-host, Christina. How are you doing over there? I could see you through that. I'm doing I'm doing fantastic. We can see each other through the equipment. <laughs> I am excited for this episode with Jeff Evans. We get to sit down and talk with him about his ska band, Insatiable. We get to find out their history and what they're up to these days. And we also get to talk to Jeff about his social media marketing and giving back to the community. It's such a good conversation that we're going to be having here in just a minute. I was really excited to sit down with Jeff because I remember in some of my early days living here in Utah, well, when I first moved here, going to see Insatiable. So it's exciting to kind of see their growth and, and where they've come throughout you know the last 30 years, really. Yeah. Uh, but we're recording today in beautiful downtown Salt Lake City in our podcast studio located right in the back of Empire Merchandise. Empire Merchandise is located at 680 South State Street. Now, not only does Empire have an amazing selection of vape juice and vape accessories, but this is where you can come and get your hands on your very own I Am Salt Lake podcast t-shirt. So stop in, check it out. This is a really great addition to downtown Salt Lake City. And if you're not in the area, you can also go get your own I Am Salt Lake t-shirt at IamSaltLake.com. While you're there, you can dig through the entire catalog of episodes. You can listen to any any episode that you want. You can subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. And you can visit our events calendar to see what's going on in Salt Lake. Hey, before we get into this conversation with Jeff Evans that I'm really excited to play for you guys, we want to tell you about one of our awesome sponsors for this episode, Wizarding Days. Wizarding Days is an interactive fantasy event with roving actors, magical sets, crafts and activities, nonstop entertainment, and classes by artisans and professionals. This is actually their third annual. It's happening February 22nd and 23rd at the Mountain America Expo Center. And this year, Wizarding Days is excited to bring the Arthurian legend Camelot to life with live action role players, a round table, and a giant dragon. It's going to be fun for all ages. Wizarding Days brings your favorite books to life. And tickets are on sale now at wizardingdayswithaz.com. One thing also, make sure you're following us on Instagram as we're going to be giving away some free passes for Wizarding Days right there on our Instagram account. You're going to want to check this out, but make sure to pick up your tickets now if you can as they're on sale and they are cheaper if you buy them in advance. Again, their website is wizardingdays.com. That's days with a Z. Go check it out. And many thanks to Wizarding Days for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. All right, here's that conversation with Jeff Evans when he came and sat down with us to share his story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Now, did you grow up here in, in Salt I'm Lake City or, or where's where's home for you? Murray. Murray. So you've never, have you ever ventured away from the area? I lived uh, on 10th East and 4th South when I went to the U. <laughs> so that, that was the most venturing out you well, did? Well, as in my band, I did a tour across the USA and Canada and multiple times. So, so you got experience. I've, yeah, I've, I'm well-traveled, but have I lived outside of freaking Salt Lake County? No. And that's, that's actually amazing that you have, because it seems like all of us, when we're about 18, 19 years old, we, we venture out. We're like, I got to get out of Salt Lake City. I got to get out of Utah. Well, I had, a, I had a different experiences because my family owned a family business, two family businesses in Murray. And I just kind of got sucked into that routine and helping the family out. And, and it became natural. And I actually, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, things changed and things have changed now. And I'm actually, now that I'm empty nester, I'm looking for major league change coming up. So, uh, but as of right now, I have not lived 
more than uh, a few blocks. A few from, blocks from uh, Murray, Utah. There's a lot of respect there, man. There's a lot of respect. Now, what was the family businesses, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, my family owned a uh, furniture store in Murray for 40 years, and we also owned a fast food drive-in uh, called Take Five Drive-in off on 53rd, just east of State Street. Take five. I don't know if I've ever. Are they still there? No, no, no. no My I, dad was extremely uh, frugal. Uh, the 2008 crash really damaged our furniture store because nobody was buying what I would say uh, uh, discretionary income type things. You know, if you lost your job and all of your uh, pension, you'll just let the couch go. You yeah, know, a little right. while longer. And everybody he, was losing homes, so they yeah, didn't yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but luckily, they built the mother of all hospitals across the street from us, the IMC Hospital. And at that time, that became a regional hospital where people would come from Wyoming or eastern Idaho or Nevada because that was the hospital, but they had nowhere to stay. So anyway, long story short, where our both of our family businesses were is now a seven-story Marriott Hotel. So. Oh, wow. very cool. Though. But you probably, you know, you, you got an opportunity to work in them and it, and it kind of gave you that uh, work ethic, I'm sure. Or no, no? Yeah, well, yeah, it was a, it was freaking six days a week. So six days a week. Plus, I also eventually became the uh, face of the family as, you know, my dad headed more towards retirement. So I'm the one who became president of the uh, Murray Rotary Club on the board of directors of the Murray Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, again, nine years on uh, Planning and Zoning Commission of Murray City, uh, Economic Development Council of Murray City. Um, yeah, so all of that stuff, plus working six days a week and in a, a two active bands at the time, too. So, Are you still pretty heavily involved with like the Rotary Club and all of those type uh, no, of things? No, those type of things you like kind of you do your time and you do your service and then you back off. But, and I've taken some time off of that, but uh, I'm very proud to be on uh, Murray City's Arts Advisory Council. And our first meeting is on January 15th. So I'm uh, looking forward to messing some shit up over there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's kind of jump forward a little bit to Insatiable just because why? Because you can't get enough. Well, <laughs> well, so can I, can I tell you, you haven't actually introduced me yet. Well, we're, we're, we're going to introduce you in the beginning of the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, I just, I had a good joke. Oh, well, you had it. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, oh, anyway, well, I'm not going to set it up now. <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, Chris, I'm just, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited that I could almost blow 0.05. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, well, you're, you're, you'll be able to when we're finished. You know, after you're done with that beer, you better not yeah, be well, that, That's when my handler comes in. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You have your own private chauffeur with you today. Exactly. No. Yes. Well, it's a smart move. We're going to, I mean, we're going to obviously introduce you here at the, it, when we go back and, and add an introduction to it, Jeff. But when, when, uh, so Jeremy Higginson, a mutual friend of ours uh -huh. yep. reached mm -hmm. out to me and he said, Hey, did you ever listen to the, uh, the ska band insatiable? Mm -hmm. Right. And well, of course, right. Especially living, I you know, I spent many years in my younger days in in Utah County. Well, which, I'm sorry about that. Well, well yeah, okay. <laughs> which was like, in in my opinion, uh, the ska ska capital of of the world at that time. At in least. the '90s, yeah. it definitely was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of good ska uh, being played there. And so, in how long have you been? Or, or when did you start with Insatiable? Let's go back into the history there. Mm. Well, the history. If you want to know the super history. Uh, first of all, the name Insatiable, which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, it means can't get enough. That's the, you know, the, which I you know couldn't get enough of good music. So there's two, two things about that. So in junior high school, I saw an ad for a Marilyn Chambers pornographic movie called Insatiable. And I thought, wow, that would be a good name for a band. For a Provo, Utah band. <laughs> no, well, no, no. This is Salt Lake County. Because Insatiable oh, Salt Lake Salt, Salt Lake, they just play in Provo. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. we would Chrissy. never. Look, Did I we... don't know. I was in the 90s. I was in Wisconsin in high school. so We played Wisconsin, gonna... so there you go. Did you? Yes, I did. Twice. So, so you kind of helped come up with the name of the band then? No, I did. This is my band. I came up with okay. it, period. Okay, yeah. I apologize. I apologize. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess I don't know all the history, yeah. so you got to educate me here, Jeff. So basically, the early, early thing is in high school, I was a saxophone player. Okay. And I wanted to start a band that I could play in, being a saxophone player that had horns. So I discovered my all-time favorite band was The Police, and I loved the... Uh, 
the offbeat, what they call the skank in um, ska music, that the groove that Andy Summers did in The Police. And then I did more research and I discovered like the specials and the English beat and all the two-tone bands with the horn sections and then, you know, the reggae music with the horn sections. And it's like, all right, I'm going to do that because it's a happy, fun music. It's not um, oppressed, angst, young teenage male music. It's actually happy, positive music. And I get to play my horn in it. <laughs> so, And it's more interesting, isn't it? Like even like musically more interesting well you, you can and, and it's just fun to play it's just fun to play mm-hmm. that's all and that's why i'm still doing it today i mean what was that 18 you know, i'm 18 17 years old and here i am a week away from being 52 i'm still doing it. what did they say 30 years right insatiable uh 30 years well there, I there's the, i would say uh two incarnations because there's the band I did call Insatiable in high school that we, I was just finding myself and trying to start a band, and we played all sorts of things, including starting some ska and, and writing our own material. But then that kind of went away after you know we graduate from high school and everybody goes their own way. And then about 1991 is when I started meeting at uh, the U some of the current members, well, basically all of the current members. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty impressive that when you see us play next, which we're, we're lining up a series of shows for 2019, that you will see people that have been with me since 1991. Wow. Is it all the original members? Pretty then? much, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is, that's incredible. It's incredible that you're all still here in Utah, really, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, you know, and still dedicated to yeah. it. I mean, that's, that's hard to keep everyone on the same page for that long, too. Well, it is. I mean, and I'll admit, like we will take a year off, which we have. Some people might say that we only play in odd years because we did a series of shows in 2017 that culminated with us uh, headlining the last day of the Utah Arts Festival, and they, which was fabulous. And then all of uh, 2018, you know, I concentrated on my business and other things, and everybody did their own things and did other bands and whatever. And now, uh, you know, I just talked to everybody, and my first rehearsal with Insatiable at my house is Tuesday and I'm nice. stoked. So wait, everybody's <laughs> going to come to your house to record? Oh no, just to or not record, re- but just to practice, practice, just to practice, rehearse, practice. Yeah. just to blow the, how many, blow the dust off the sucker. How many, how many people play? I mean, cause ska bands are not just three piece set or um, we're going to have uh, for this run of shows. I actually, this was just confirmed last night. We will have an eight piece band. Is that tough when you have so many members? Yes, it's hurt, a, it's hurting cats. Yeah, sure. mm-hmm. because well, especially the, like the the more adult life you get into, the more you have to organize everybody's calendar and schedule, and it just like we're, it's we're, impressive. We're, we're that that's, a, that's very true. But on the on the flip side, I've recently become an empty nester, as some of the other guys in my band are getting the ages where their their kids are more than self sufficient, and they don't have the level of responsibilities day to day with their kiddos that we used to see. I told you it gets day. better. I've been telling Chris, it gets better. <laughs> we have a one, like we have a, a one little, and a half year old. Yeah. About one and a half. And I'm like, does this ever get any easier? <laughs> yeah. So my, my daughter's 24. She lives, she's a fabulous artist in Portland and my son's 20. So I'm now free to do whatever the hell I want to. And that includes being in a rock band again. Why not? Do they, oh, yeah. do they play music at all? Oh, no, no. But they have their own creative things. Uh, Well, I'll take that back. My son has his first, uh, no, second, for example, DJ gig at this place called The Loading Dock. Have you ever been there? Oh, here in in Salt Lake. Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I know exactly Yeah, he has an act called uh, John Skirt, and and he does his beats. What does he call it? Dubstep? Yeah. So I'm not that familiar with all that stuff. Well, I'm I'm learning too, but it's, it's fantastic. He's doing a good job. My daughter is a fabulous artist. I mean- off the hook, fabulous artist. And she moved to Portland because she thought that would be a a better, um, fit for her, fit for the type of art she does. And she's been flourishing there. And yeah, in fact, uh, if you notice my Facebook page, I just, um, posted that the Deseret news did this big article about Ben McAdams moving out of his office and going to Washington, DC. And I would say about 75% 75% of the pictures in that story had my daughter's Ben bus rendering that he commissioned her to do of him holding it or talking behind it. And 
And I thought it was cool that my daughter's art's going to Washington. Yeah. Along with them. What do they think of dad playing in a ska band? Oh, well, they grew up with it. That's, yeah. that's all they know. I mean, in fact, especially back in the 90s, Salt Lake was a good, even if you didn't have a gig, it was a stopping point. If you were going, say, from Denver to San Francisco or Denver or, you know, anyway, it's just, it was a good in the middle point. So even if I couldn't find a band to gig, especially here in the 90s on a Sunday or a Monday, um, I would still allow them to crash or uh, take a shower, do their laundry at my house. Because it was, it was kind of a, bl- a brotherhood in the sense of – or a network of bands that I know if I did that, I could go to their towns sure. when we were on tour and crash at their places and, and stuff like that. Getting back to your original question, my both my kids had no problem waking up in the morning being a third and sixth graders and walking over ska band bodies that are crashed out on the living room floor on the way to the school bus. <laughs> no, and, and I'll tell you, you Just can preparing them for college. Exactly. It's, it's actually a lot of fun back in the day. I mean, I used to listen to a lot of punk rock and so I would do the same thing. When bands would play deviate basement, especially mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. And you're like play there. A lot of times they were looking for a place to sleep. Hey, come and let's let's you know. And then you have an all night party a lot of times. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, a lot of the road trips we took. You know, we had eight people in the band at that time, and when we showed up, I mean, some places we were set up really nice, and we had places to sleep and all that sort of thing, well in advance. But other places, you know, it's just kind of on the fly, and we get to the gig, and we're like, okay, everybody, we have eight chances. To go meet somebody to find somewhere to sleep tonight. So, <laughs> is that still a popular thing? Uh, maybe not popular isn't the word to use, but it seems like all the bands nowadays have tour buses. Oh and, no, and, no, that's just the higher end ones. And maybe it's just the music uh, I no, listen no, to there, these days. There, there are bands scrapping out there that are driving around in shitty Chevy vans, like we did, with a, a rented trailer behind it, just doing their best, working day to day. And yeah. hoping that they can make to it to it. the next gig, man. Exactly, exactly. I remember we had a band spend the night and then they ended up staying for a week because their transmission blew out on them. Yeah. And so they had to get their trans, they had to come up with the funds first to fix yeah. the transmission. And then, and so I had people for like a week at the. Yeah. I was lucky that you know, none of our tours did we have any horrific um, mechanical failures in the van. So knock on wood, but I'm not going to. All right, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the very delicious, the very local, and the very tasty Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to this state liquor store, pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to your neighborhood bar, ask for Five Wives Vodka by name. Not only are they a delicious vodka, but they are the official beverage of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. So every time you're buying a bottle of Five Wives Vodka, every time you're taking a shot, you are supporting this podcast. They have three different flavors. Christina and I are going to tell you about them. They have the original Five Wives Vodka. This is the one that's made from Utah Mountain Spring Water. It's 100% distilled corn spirit and it's gluten-free. Spring is hidden in beautiful Ogden Canyon. It's inaccessible by vehicle, so they're hiking this water out five gallons at a time. And if you haven't tried the original flavor, you're totally missing out. But they also have some more. Five Wives Sinful is a flavored vodka with a delicious cinnamon taste. It's not like other cinnamon products that give you that cinnamon candy taste that lingers in your mouth. Sinful is like a morning cinnamon roll, and it's only 76 calories per ounce. They also have the Five Wives Heavenly. This is one of their flavored vodkas, but with a delicious vanilla taste. Heavenly's rich, buttery vanilla flavor. It comes through without coating your taste buds with sugar, and this results in more vanilla and less calories. Remember, next time you head over to the state liquor store, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka. Next time you head over to the neighborhood bar, you say, pour me a shot of Five Wives Vodka. And the next time you're at home and you're just bored and you're surfing the internet, you're going to type in Five Wives Vodka right there in your browser. You're going to check it out, learn more about them, and you're going to tell them, hey, thank you for sponsoring I Am Salt Lake Podcast. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Market Source Real Estate. I know we have a lot of listeners. You guys are looking to move to Salt Lake City, whether it's for a job transfer or you just want to be closer because we're here. Well, this is when you need to track down our friends, Monique and Jeremy Higginson of Market Source Real Estate. Especially if you're like us and you love the older homes in the greater Salt Lake area. For the last 17 years, that's what Monique and Jeremy have been helping people find. 
They have a background of flipping houses, and they've owned almost two dozen homes themselves, so they know all the ins and outs of these older, beautiful homes. However, if you're looking to sell your home, MarketSource Real Estate specializes in helping sellers update or even repair their homes to re- increase their value, and which is going to make you guys more money. So if you're looking to buy an old home, they know what to look for in older homes. If you're looking to sell your home, they know how to help you out. What is their website that they can go to, Christina? If you want to talk to Monique and Jeremy, which you do, you can find them at thinksaltlakecity.com today or call them at 801-810-6773. And as always, many thanks to Market Source Real Estate for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's get back to that conversation with Jeff Evans. Thanks for listening. What's the difference? I mean, the music scene in Salt Lake City in the 90s versus today. A lot of people, because you have to remember, I don't know, you know, all the listeners of this podcast, they might have moved here. They might even be a, a younger generation. So they didn't get to experience music in Salt Lake City in the 90s, even the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're 2019 here, Jeff. A lot has changed I know. in Salt Lake it's City. It's been 20 years since we partied since it was 1999. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, think, I remember that. Do you think it's that different or do you think it's just that we've grown up and now? No, you know, I think it's definitely different. It's really? horribly different. Huh. I actually feel sorry for the new up and coming bands right now because I think there's much less opportunity than there was when I was flourishing at our height. Why, why? do you think, yeah, why do you think that, that was? Well, number one, fewer places to play. And I also think with a few definite exceptions, like, a, like the stateroom or the Commonwealth room, I think there's a lot of venues that bands play that it's not a destination to see the band. The band is an afterthought. And so that's why I, I wouldn't want to play those type of places. I want to play a place where we are the focal, the focal point. The music is the focal point, not us and the pool table and the poker game and, and the game on the TVs and all that sort of thing. But just honestly, I just don't think there's as many places or opportunity for bands up and comers anyway, to play here. Then I've also noticed a, so back in the day in Los Angeles, there was bands would have to pay to play. I think bands still do that. Yeah. Well, in, in LA at the time I had a friend, a good friend of mine who, had a, a 80s hair band in LA and they would have to sell X amount of tickets in advance of their show. And I've seen that been, that's been implemented in certain clubs around here that they will give bands tickets to sell in advance of their show. And that's how they get paid. And I can see the, the idea behind that and why they would do that. But also I feel that there's a certain inherent responsibility of the club owners and their marketing departments to do a level of marketing of their own. I mean, I, I understand that the band needs to tell all of their friends and get everybody out, but to add, I mean, the band's already responsible for the music and the, the showmanship and all of that sort of thing. And then to add um, ticket sales on top of that, I think is a little bit unfair, but that's just kind of old school. Cause when I was an up and coming band, I never had to deal with that ever. Yeah. You would just show up and you we would show up, so but no, but, but I, I would design flyers and we would mm-hmm. get the word out and we would pack the place, but I didn't have to have that mental thing of, I have, you know, they just gave me 200 tickets and I have to move these during the same, the same time that I should be rehearsing and getting ready to put on the best product I can for the people that show up to the gig. I wonder if that's more of a movement in general, because I know uh, comedy venues kind of do the same thing with up and coming comedians where it's like, if you don't fill the place, then you will pull your, but that shouldn't be the person's responsibility. That should be the venue's responsibility in my opinion, like you were saying. Well, I could, I can guarantee you that the, you know, the big acts that play, you know, the state room or the, the new Commonwealth room or wherever, you know, those acts are not having to sell tickets. I mean, and then I also, I do come and I have that. <laughs> the funny thing is that I've had to explain this to my son. There's, there is a certain amount of paying your dues in yeah. this, in mm-hmm. this sort of thing. You know, there's a certain amount of free gigs you're going to play just to get your foot in the door, just to start to get an audience, it, you know, to be, you're going to be the opener, 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 opener band for the headliner. And you just got to get used to that. You're not going to be the be all end all, you know, bag of chips right out of the mm-hmm. gate, you know, that you're, you're super cool. You have to pay your dues and holy crap, we did. Yeah. Which and, I think is good for people though, because especially now the uh, instant gratification, 
like well, live music movement. is li- instant gratification. That's why I love it. Oh yeah, for sure. But I'm saying like as a band, the fact that you have to pay your dues and you have to work hard and you have to stay committed and keep practicing mm-hmm. is so much it's, I appreciate people who are still doing that as opposed to like, yeah, like really dedicating as opposed to, you know, well, just I, jumping I, on stage and having it all. In addition to that, I also think that the Salt Lake uh, live music market, as far as the fans go, are a very educated group. Mm-hmm. And I think pretty much anybody in this town that co- goes to see live shows can sniff out in a second any type of band or artist that just mails it in. You know what I mean? Yeah. What venue do you miss the most? I'm just curious. In Salt Lake City. I mean, that's, I guess that's a loaded question and a big question. But I'm just curious if there's one in particular that you miss. Oh, boy. There's two, okay, but, well, but, like, but first place would be the Dead Goat Saloon. That was a great place. Yeah. Been, been there a couple of times in my mm-hmm. day. Yeah. We had uh, an amazing run there, like selling that place out. It was fabulous. And then second place would have been the Zephyr Club. And still to this day that it sits sad looking and vacant, bums, you, bums me out. But do you know the quick story of Zephyr now that we, you brought that up? Cause it, so, cause a lot of people, it's, it's interesting. A lot of people post pictures, you know, the Zephyr on the Brad Wheeler who from mm-hmm, time to time mm-hmm. will post, you know, it's 15 years or 10 years, however long, you know, it's, it's been sitting there. A lot of people don't even know the story. Yeah. I mean, all the businesses that are along that strip that were there, it, I mean, the whole thing is the same. <clears throat> My thought process on it, what I've heard is just that whole block is just landlocked until an opportunity shows up to build some massive thing there. Which is crazy that and there then, hasn't been anything built there. You no, know, you might see it happen soon. And maybe whoever owns that property, that that property uh, is more advantageous to them as a uh, tax loss write-off every year. Mm-hmm. True. And I think there's a parking lot there. Maybe they're making mm-hmm. bank with the parking lot. You know? I don't know about that, but they <laughs> could be making some money. But I would just say it's a a, a land use issue that you know sure. somebody's just sitting on it for the right time for the right thing. And then Portacol was on the other corner. Mm-hmm. That's where the Borg building is now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Portacol was a, another good bar downtown. I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think you got experience at it at all. I did you, not. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of all of these places, but yeah, our uh, 2004 CD release party was at their big venue on the second floor at the Portacol. So yeah, yeah. All of those there were like I said, this is like let's circle back. It yeah. said there's just not as many places for new bands to break here. But on the flip side, I didn't have the internet to break on either back then. Has Facebook changed like with events and in, cause people aren't having to make the homemade flyers like they used oh, to. Oh, I can tell you back in the day I would have a mailing list of like 900 to a thousand people that I would put stamps on and labels on postcards and have the expense of mailing. So yeah, obviously the, the digital thing has really helped as far as expenses that way. But do you think though, like I think Facebook almost gets overwhelming with events. It's like, Oh, well there's this to do. There's this to do. There's this to do. And you're oversaturated, overstimulated. It's, it's free and easy. to put And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm just not going to do anything. <laughs> back in the day, back in the nineties, early two thousands, even when you would get one of your cards in the mail or something like that, you would put it on your fridge and you mm-hmm. would, you would look forward to it. And that's kind of what I, what I was kind of thinking about with when I was saying that it's more of an instant gratification is that like, do you think that because music is so much more accessible right now on the internet, that people aren't going out as much to see the music and possibly that's why the, there's less clubs even. I don't know. I, I could, I could see that. That music is is um, is more accessible due to the internet and all that sort of thing. But there's something that cannot be replaced by a live music experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, why do you think the, like the Red Butte concert series is freaking nuts every time? Or I mean, I think this town does rally around the arts and live music or live theater. And I mean, why do you think you know we built this that massive new Eccles theater that has a lot of great concerts there. And because we are, we are a town that embraces our art scene. And I, I, and if I was to start a new band, you know, be one kids out there, you know, if I was 17 or 18 and starting a new band, I would still think this is a viable place to start a new band because a lot of like my kids were exposed to that because their parents dug that sort of thing. And so I think in a lot of households in this town, 
kids have been programmed to know that live music is a cool thing. And both of my kids will tell me their first concert experience with their dad that they went to, you know, and stuff like that. And in Obviously, my household was a little bit different because they saw fabulous performances actually in the house. So, <laughs> now you got a tour the U.S. and Canada. You're, mm-hmm. Now, did you go outside the U.S. or Canada at all? Any uh, no, Europe no. or you know what? That was man. There was a time in 1995 where we were like right on par with some of the other bands that actually hit it big. But on my 94 tour, my daughter's mother was pregnant with her at the time. And then people started having kids. And I had to make a fundamental decision if I'm going to be the rock star lifestyle forever and ever and ever, or if I'm going to be a responsible dad. And I just had bought a home in Murray in 1994. And so, Was that your goal with Insatiable, though? Was it to do it full time? Obviously, I mean, if you go out on the road for like three months at a stretch, you know, that has to be some type of a goal, right? To see what happens. So, yes, obviously. And that was, and it was a very, you know, it was an alluring lifestyle. It was fast paced. I mean, you'd, you'd end a show and you'd wake up, you know, go in the van and fall asleep and you wake up in the next morning in a different town, places you would never, ever in a million years. Uh, plan to go on vacation with and, and meet those people. You know, you'd never plan to go to Belleville, Illinois, or Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or Okaboji, Iowa, or <laughs> you know, any of these places. Man, you just you'd show up, and these these people would be appreciative of it. And yeah, and it, that was very alluring. But also, you know, you missed your grounding and your your home front. And and for me, I had. I'm going to be starting a family super soon. And that's the route I took. And I ended up working with the fam business. And, but even during that time, after my daughter was born, I, we had good success of doing regional tours. You know, you'd get in the van and go take a week and you'd go play Reno and Tahoe and then San Francisco and drive up the five and play Portland and then Seattle and then come around and play Boise and come home, you know? You know what's impressive about bands touring at that time? If you think about it for a second, there were no cell phones. Mm -hmm. There was no communication, even to like, say, check up with a venue. I'm sure you pulled up plenty of times to venues and they'd be like, would would act like they Oh no, yeah, no, I was thorough about that in the sense that we would call on the payphone and you had your uh, Rand McNally Atlas in the car. (laughs) True. And, and then what was there that, well, Maximum Rock and Roll had all kinds of different booking things where like people can put on gigs and. Yeah, there was no, um, internet. put it, put it into our uh, GPS or our map quest. <laughs> there was none of that, but we managed to make it to all the shows just fine. <laughs> when is the, when, when was the last time you got to do any kind of touring? Like how long ago was that, Jeff? Oh, hmm. Eight years. About eight years. Do you miss that at all? Yeah, and I'm not saying that's over with yet either. Now that I'm freed up, Aha, I like this guy's style. <laughs> do you do you have some plans to go on a tour, or is that I kind have of actually, top secret? Um, well, I will say that we're going to do a run of shows in 2019 before some other major life changes come into play with me. So, and when you say a run of shows, not just Utah, not just Salt Lake City. I've put feelers out to some of the places, at least regionally, that we've done well at. I like in it. the past. How many albums has Insatiable done? Four four albums and then this album you brought today this is well, like it's number three out of number four. three out of uh, wow <laughs> my mind my mind <laughs> Sorry, I, can, I can edit I, this i'm out. curious when did you switch from saxophone to keyboard uh, as soon as i hired better horn players than me oh well there you go that's do you, fair do you play other instruments guitar i still, I still know or... how to no no i don't play guitar I mean, you can't swing a dead cat around without hitting a guitar player. Who needs another one of those? <laughs> did you always play keyboard or did you learn piano growing up? I, I learned piano growing up. Okay. My right mother uh, made me take piano lessons in fourth grade and that uh, made me learn sight reading and theory, and theory and all that. And, and then playing saxophone. I got a scholarship at the U playing saxophone. Yeah, so learning to play the piano at a young age really helped me. And then I... Again, I hired horn players that really smoked. And plus, I enjoyed the keyboards, and I love the the reggae organ keyboard style that I've perfected, at least in my own style. So Yeah. I know we kind of have, have jokingly talked about like how big the scar scene was in Utah County. Do you have any thoughts on why? 
have have you ever watched you should uh, put on your watch list of watching um there's a documentary out there about that I think that. we've talked about that before and uh about a scossing in Utah in, in County? Utah County yeah mm-hmm. I did an interview on it. in fact it, it debuted in fact, I'm, I was doing some clean out of my house, and it was about 10 years ago that it debuted at the uh, Tower Theater. Yeah, there's a whole documentary about specifically that. And the thing about Utah County, as it was said in there, which I believe is, is it was the influx of uh, Southern California kids to BYU at the time. And there was a ska scene going on down there, and they just kind of imported it up here, and then it just kind of blew up. Because basically in Utah County, nobody had anything better to do. And yeah. There was not m- many entertainment choices. And the music's fun. You know, you oh, could, yeah. you could dance to it. Yeah. It's it, not like evil. Is it called The Upbeat? Yep. Okay. The Upbeat. We'll have, the to, upbeat. we'll have to watch that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's kind of, let's venture in a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about this digital uh, marketing thing you, you're doing, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, you know, just because did you kind of have to create your own thing because of the music? Because well, um, being the band leader and also in my family business, I was always the marketer. Uh-huh. So I've marketed tons of stuff. Self-taught and all of that. Or did you take any classes? Pretty much self-taught. And then also immersing myself around some of the best uh, minds all the time. So, you know, going to conventions and keynote speakers and the likes of, you know, seeing Gary Vaynerchuk speak live and, you know, Scott Stratton and some of the, you know, big ones, just immersing myself. I mean, I've, I see a lot of uh, colleges out there offering a social media degree. It, 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 the second that you would be done with that, it'd be obsolete because mm-hmm. I have to be on top of learning the change of algorithms and, and where the audiences are moving and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it, it's a self-taught thing and, but it's fun and it's fun and, as you can probably tell at this moment right now in my life, I'm doing whatever I can to uh, prevent myself from having a real job. <laughs> I, I know. I love it. And, and there's a lot of respect there. How long have you, I mean, so that's kind of what you've been doing for how many About years? About four years. About four years. That, and what's the name of the company? Uh, Social Dealer Connect, but I'm in a rebrand right now uh, for myself. Everything's going to move over to Jeff Goes Social. Which we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. We so you can find me on all platforms at Jeff goes social. So are you taking on new clients ever or? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. what, like if a listener was listening, what would they approach you for? What would be a reason they would hire you? Give me a couple examples. From badassery. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like, like, I mean, do you work? uh, Tell me, tell me some, give me an example of what you would do. Like say, say I was to reach out to you. Well, it depends. I have a couple of um, specific things that I'm really good at. Number one, so I work, I operate a lot in the furniture and design industry. And that comes back, goes full circle back to my family owning a furniture store. So in some of these furniture shows, like there's one in Las Vegas, there's one in High Point that I've worked at. And also I've worked now in the the Atlanta show too. Imagine how I try to explain it. Imagine the Fashion Place Mall, 20 stories tall, times three buildings filled with cool stuff. So with those type of, so imagine all these exhibitors there. So there's 4,000, for example, at the Las Vegas one, which is the next one coming up. I help them get their micro target, their message into the buyer's phones at the show. So try to drive traffic to their showroom. And that type of micro targeting can also work here in town. So for example, at the business we're here today, we could draw a three mile circle around this business and target everybody within a demographic that might like the vaping thing. Mm-hmm. Like via SMS? Huh? Via SMS, like text message? Uh, well, you could do it that way. So I usually hit them with that. You can do th- with email, but with the social, it just shows mm-hmm. up in their phone okay. yeah. as a sponsored ad. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a Facebook. I just, mm-hmm. I've seen the, we've talked, there's little gadgets where you can, reach uh, and target people via SMS in yeah, a certain well, area too. That's you know, I haven't heard anything. Thing. Have you heard of that? Like it's this little thing where it, uh, you put it in your pocket and then if you walk by somebody, it sends a text message yeah. to their, mm-hmm. that seems kind of sketchy to me. Yeah. That's a little, a little invasive. That's a little invasive. Is that, do people use that? Uh, I don't offer it. I think it's good enough if you're in a one mile zone attending a show uh-huh. to put your, somebody's message in your Facebook or Twitter or uh, Instagram feed because you are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you're a participant anyway. So I think that's fine. But, you know, throwing messages into people's 
phones. Like spamming them is yeah, not great. Talking about, you know, some product in Walmart or whatever. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that crosses a line. Mm-hmm. I think and we could even do a two hours on this as far as privacy and the use of data and, and, and stuff like that. What I try to do the best is, first of all, I say you can buy, so let's go to the furniture industry. You can buy this couch from all of these people or something that looks similar to it. The question is, why you? That's where you humanize the brand and make build brand trust and all those certain things. Because what people need to understand right now in, in the world of marketing is people will check out your digital assets long, long before they'll ever call you on the phone. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a certain set of people right now that will never call you on the phone. Business transactions are done via Facebook Messenger and or Instagram instant messaging or text message. Nobody, which is kind of sad that we don't get the type of thing that you and I are doing right now of just face to face talking about stuff. Because some people are just completely uh, desensitized to that. In my mind, mm-hmm. I remember the time you pick your phone up, you make a phone call. You know, you got to call a friend up. You call a, you know, you want to ask your girl out on a date. You got to call them up. Yeah, See, and, and, I, and then I they pull out and there, and everybody's on people. the wall phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and with their brothers listening on the other extension, right? <laughs> and you got to like, remember numbers. Yeah. Right now is like a really great time for introverts or people who are, you know, easily persuaded by salesmen or you know people can go and do their own research and make their own decisions and buy the things on their time. So it's kind of cool. Like I feel like it's a little bit easier for some of us who don't like a pressured, you know, sales atmosphere to be able to get stuff and do transactions. Yeah. Well, would you say though, that that kind of makes you kind of a pussy in a way you can't talk to people. <laughs> you, you, well? you, make a, no, you make a valid point, Jeff. You really do. It, it is, it is kind of interesting. I think, I think you had to learn and I, I'm, I'm with no, it's you, fair. the it's, introvert it's part. I understand that, but I also think you have to uh, massage that muscle a little you bit. You do. Right? It's a good thing to massage, but you know, like in growing up in my house, we had a saying, the phone is your friend because all the kids in our house, like me and my sisters were so afraid to talk to people on the phone. Like my mom would have to go, the phone is your friend. The phone is your friend. You can pick up the phone and talk. And you know, some people just have anxiety about it. But did you find the more you did it, the easier it was? No, I still don't like talking on the phone. Well, do you think the anxiety about talking on the phone has been built up by our technology these days that you don't don't have to? I don't think so. I think it's just easier to be able to control your own environment, which maybe is a terrible thing. I'm just playing devil's advocate for fun here. Yeah, no. Well, I, I, well, I, I, I mean, I, honestly, that even goes back to my parenting thing because mm-hmm. I, I, I think of myself. I survived with uh, no airbags. I survived well, yeah. with no car seat. I survived with no, you know, being in the back of the the big huge sedan. The big. It was survival of the fittest then. And I almost, I almost wonder that if I did my kids a disservice by they've been coddled so Mm -hmm. much. And And I do totally see that. Like we really do coddle this next generation, especially. I mean, was it, yeah, I don't know. It is kind of interesting to think about all that stuff. I don't know if, if maybe there's just more people around. So people, you know, there's more cars on the road. So people are more accidents. So then that's the car seat part. I think we're more aware because there's so much more information and information is more accessible. So we're all more paranoid about everything. I don't think things are, we're totally going way off here, but this is fun. I don't think it's necessarily the world is less safe than it used to be. Well, I grew up in the world of there was only four channels on the TV. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of even the whole part of, of the point zero five. You were making the joke about the mm-hmm. new DUI thing here in, in Utah. And it's like, is that really going to you know keep more drunk drivers off the roads? Is it going well, to be I gotta tell you a bad that- thing? For me, I think that type of information is good. And I'm I'm not against that at all. Yeah. I think um, if anything causes people to pre-plan before their night out and be more responsible, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, with if you're going to go out and party, the difference between 0.05 and 0.08 is probably negligible in a way. Because either people that are getting pulled over for it, for the most part – are way beyond that. True. So, it's just unfortunate for the people who have one drink at dinner. Well, but see, you the know? thing is, Jeff makes a valid point about people that are getting pulled over, where if you're having one drink at dinner, why are you getting pulled over? Right? Well, like, hey. and the, but if you notice the, the Utah Highway Patrol statement said, um, we are not going out of our way to pull anybody over for that, or we're not stocking bars or anything like that. But still, if your tail light is out, or if you, 
you know, if you make a, if you're swerving, if you're swerving or you, yeah. or you just, if you make an infraction, your headlights out. So it's just, if nothing else, I would say it empowers you to make sure all the lights on your car work. I always say, never give them a reason to pull you over in the first place. Or just take a solid rule. Just take an Uber. <laughs> just take an Uber, right? Yeah. I mean, I it's Uber. so easy. Yeah. yeah I do take, that all the time. To take an Uber. Now back to the, back to your marketing, back to the whole mm-hmm. digital thing. I have a lot of people listening, small business owners, people that are starting a business, whether they're starting or, or established. Is there any kind of advice? Like, like, let's just give them a, a little nugget. Is there anything that you would, it, it, like a piece of advice uh, for marketing or, or anything of that that you would tell them to do? Well, I would say, I mean, number one, I'm the, the biggest flag bearer for just humanizing yourself. If you can do anything to build brand trust and to make people, like I said, it comes down to, I can buy a car from all these different places. I can buy here we are in a vaping supply store. I can buy vaping places, you know, from tons of places. What makes you different? What makes you different? It's because of who you are, that you're just a regular dude like me. You have the same interests as me. I would say your marketing has to do, everybody knows you're in business, but you kind of go back to the Gary Vaynerchuk thing, which is uh, the jab, 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 right hook, or in the in, easier way to say it is give, 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 and take. So give good information, give, um, you know, quality entertainment. Don't be pitchy at all. Cause people can smell that out a mile away. I mean, that's why we have the, the 10 o'clock news. Cause it's buy a car, buy a car, buy a car, go to RC Willie, go to RC Willie, go to RC Willie, you know, and people don't want that. They want to be entertained. That's why, um, social media is still an escapism. Mm-hmm. And so the ads should be built around that type of thing that you finesse the people rather than punch them in the face. You know <laughs> what I mean? You pat, I pat you on the back, Chris, rather than bitch slap you about my product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. It's more about relating with people nowadays than it used to be mm-hmm. before it was very. And then the other, the other big thing that I would say is the differences back in, in our family furniture store. When the couch came in in the wrong color or our delivery guys put a hole in the wall that used to be just a phone conversation between me and the customer. Today, it is a conversation between me and the customer and an arena, a basketball arena full of people watching how that conversation plays out. You're talking like with social like media. Like Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter, <laughs> Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people that actually, a lot of people will say, well, if you get a bad review or a bad something or there's a bad conversation you know, delete it or get rid of it, where I say, no, you handle it properly. You're timely. You get on top of it. Everybody in business knows you cannot be everything to everybody all the time. And then you're also know that there's just people out there that are just inherent haters. And then the third thing, you know, is if everybody, most people who have a great experience in business, they'll just go on on their merry way. It's the ones that get pissed off are the ones who can go home and, and rock their keyboard. You know? yeah. And that's the only people you hear from is the negative exactly. people. So with that said, how the business owner reacts to that. And what I would say is react to it timely, address the problem. I'm sorry that we had this experience. This is a, you know, a rare thing for us. We were very apologetic and then get that crap offline and handle it offline as quick as possible. Well, but it's what, interesting too, because mm-hmm. like if people can see how you're treating customers that were upset if they can see that you handled it well Mm -hmm. that could potentially generate new customers who think i want to work with these people because they're Mm -hmm. good to their they're good to even their bad customers exactly that uh, it's a building a brand trust how i say again it's like uh take the u U of u football stadium you have this entire audience that follows you that are dressed in your color because they're fans of you and they you know you're down by you know you're down by a field goal in the fourth quarter and they want to be able to cheer for you to come back and kick it through with uh, five seconds remaining. Yeah. What do you think of businesses that say refuse to do things like Facebook? You know, they, they maybe don't have a Facebook page and they're just like, well, oh, that, that's gonna... easy. That's easy. In my presentations that I do, I have a graphic of a phone, just the phone handset with nothing hooked to it. And I say, if you are trying to do business today without using social media, it's like doing business with the phone disconnected from the wall, period. I like that. Because you get out, you were mentioning before we started recording, you, you speak at a, at a lot of quite a few places. Yeah, I've done speaking gigs across the country. Uh-huh. And you speak about social media, about yeah. digital marketing. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
public speaking, it's it's actually much more frightening than playing in a ska band. At least I have uh, seven or eight other guys backing me up. So if I blew a chord, oh, yeah. nobody notices. Because all the eyes are, are on you yeah. Yeah. when you're speaking. Yeah, I would say public. Down or... Yeah, we have just, you have to engage with the people and not have people nod off and stuff like that. Yeah, you have to be on. Yeah, I would say uh, that's, it's performing. It mm-hmm. is performing. Oh, it's absolutely. engaging with people. And I would say it is way further down, but still on the same type of lines as stand-up comedy. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just you. I believe it. It's just you and the audience. And, and you're being judged the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you find? What do you find most companies kind of lack? Or what's one thing that you end up telling most companies to kind of do with their social media? Do you have, is there like a big hole that most people miss? Well, number one is consistency. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people like, oh, social media is the ap- afterthought. And then they just blast a whole bunch of stuff in a row and then mm-hmm. they go dark for three months and then, yeah. they, re- then they remember it again. So consistency is, is huge. Also organizational skills. I always uh, promote with a content calendar. So you know exactly what you're going to talk about each day. Check your analytics to know what posts are, that you do are doing well, which one have bombed and why and what days and times your audience. I mean, every diff, every um, business's audience is going to be different. And then on top of that, every audience, every business's audience on different platforms are going to be different too. Mm-hmm. There's a different audience on Facebook than on Instagram or Twitter or on Pinterest or, or all of those places. So you need to be aware of that. And yes, it is daunting and you have to be on top of algorithm changes and policy changes and all sorts of things. I mean, this is like a real interesting time in social media with uh, the data, you know, data's bad with Facebook and how they've yeah. handled things. And so it's, it's kind of a, a downtime, I would say, as far as the uh, public um, consumer confidence on social media is low right now. But that's yeah. why people hire you, people like you, because you know how to do all those checks of the analytics and content. I mean, people yeah. that just have to run their business, that's the last thing they have yeah, time and, and for. Whereas I, I do a lot of work, obviously, in the uh, furniture and design industry, I'm happy to help people out here in town. I have um, a automotive repair. I have actually, I just took on a uh, autistic um, services company. They help autistic cool. children which has been a real mind blower as far as uh, learning stuff. I've worked on three campaigns. Uh, So the principles of social media, if they're applied, they can be applied across the board through multiple types of businesses or or ventures or Mm -hmm. whatever you're trying to do. Marketing has been my life because I, from back in the day with the band, I mean, I've been a hustler. I've been trying to get the gigs, try to, get the jobs and, and hustling. It's, it's, a, it, you got to work Yeah. no matter what you do. I don't care how much technology is there. If you don't work it, you're screwed. So yeah. no, and there's a lot, a lot of respect for you for how much you've gotten out in hustled. Uh, I mean, just even your stories, how you were saying, putting all the stamps on the postcards and mail list. I mean, there's a lot of respect there. Um, let's kind of shift just a little bit to, to, to Salt Lake city. There's a couple Salt Lake city related questions we sure. like to ask. If you could change anything about Salt Lake, what would you change? Is there anything you would change? That's a good question. I, I I'm gonna actually gonna, gonna flip that back at you because I like I like here and being here and actually traveling and explaining why I like here because we have a unique um, situation here that is not emulated anywhere else. So, for example. We have a diversity right now that's coming in with all of the, the new people that are moving in. What are we, one of the first or second fastest growing areas in the country still? That's right. Yeah, I hear that at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I-15 shows mm-hmm. me that when I go on it. <laughs> when you try to drive anywhere. Yeah. But we have that going on. So we have this influx of folks coming in here who have never experienced what I, as a lifer here, have experienced as far as what I'd call, um, like, obviously the influence of religion here. So the, what I'd call the, the counterbalance of either you're in or you're way out, mm-hmm. which is never, I, I've never found that anywhere else that there's just like this counterbalance of groups and, or a counterculture that is created by here, which I think is fun and really healthy. I mean, who would have ever thought that uh, Salt Lake city would have one of the 
biggest and most vibrant uh, gay pride celebrations in the country. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, who would ever thought that? That is created by the counterculture that is unique to us. So having people come in and adding to that mix and discovering that for the first time, I kind of like it. So what would I change? Part of me doesn't want to change anything because it's always interesting how that works. Um, I would change the ability for us all who just voted for prop two to have it messed with right away. I can, respect I, I would that change, too, yeah. I would change that. You know, if the people speak, the people speak. So shut up and put up because the people spoke. And if you gave us made the law, if somebody made the law that we could put a referendum out there and vote for something and go through all those crazy hoops that those people had to go through to get that on the ballot. And then turns out the way it turned it out. That's There's, what yeah. I would change. Something messed up yeah, about that, was that. Absolutely. Crazy. So, I mean, I would be curious and that'd be something that everybody at home could research is look at your, um, your representative, whoever represents you in Utah and look at the voting results in your voting district and find out if the people in your voting district voted for prop two. And if your representative voted to mess with it, that would be an interesting thing in my mind. I would say that would be the number one thing is for some of these gray areas as far as um, religion and politics to be separated a little bit more. And then if the, if the people speak and if we're going to allow people of uh, a, a diverse population to move in here, which we are, which I think is freaking fantastic, then we should allow those people who have you know, pay their taxes that are citizens of the state of Utah to speak their mind. Mm -hmm. And when they do speak their mind, their mind should be honored. Very well put. Very well yeah. put. What about any favorite local eating spots? I always like to kind of, Hey, where do you like to eat at? You know, just kind of even give a little plug for some of the mom and pop joints in town. Jeff's house. Jeff's house. <laughs> hey, all right. Do you take reservations? We're free tonight. Are you a pretty mean chef? Do you, uh, do you like chef, to Jeff works? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, actually, one of the best Thai restaurants in all of Utah is in Murray. So I'll give uh, props to the T-Rose Cafe. I've had a heck of a conversation with you today, Jeff. I know we just skimmed the surface with everything, but you know, when we're, we only have so much time to sit here and, and chat with you and record. Well, if I could, well, if I could just say one more thing, sure, and, man. And one thing that we did not touch on that I would like to um, talk to people out there in your, your, your illustrious yeah. audience, your well-educated, smart, smarty pants audience. <laughs> Way to butter them up. I've been very passionate about community service. That's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. So I would say to all those folks out there, as we start a new year, and I'm happy to be one of your first uh, guests in 2019, is to look of how you can, how you can give back to your community, how you can help out because there's a lot of folks out there that need help. And I think there's nothing wrong ever with increasing your good karma points for sure. So think about any way you can give back to your community. I've been, I've, I've had so many great experiences of uh, giving back to the citizens of Murray. And I would say, find out, you know, who your representative is or who your leaders are or what's going on and just ask people how you can help. We've actually had That's people amazing. reach out to us asking, hey, do you have any recommendations of places I can volunteer at? Mm -hmm. Do you have, I mean, where, where is there a place that you like to volunteer at well, or um, work with? Or? Well, I uh, like my neighbor, two houses down from me in Murray. Uh, she is the director of the In-Between. Not familiar with that, no. Well, that is a, a, a service where homeless people can go and find lodging that are terminally ill and they give them end of day's care and a proper service. So, you know, you're not finding them frozen under the viaduct type of thing. And I thought, think that's a really, she was actually, uh, her name's Kim Korea was uh, voted uh, some awards uh, nonprofit of the year person. So how would they, how would they get in touch with her? I mean, is there a website or just uh, email well, get on your Facebook, put in the in between yeah. and it'll pop up. I guess, yeah, I yeah. guess not. I, I wasn't sure if they, they um, And then the what's, what's another one? Um, so my birthday is coming up this Thursday. Well, and happy you birthday. Know, you know, and you know how some people do oh, fundraisers for their birthday. On Facebook. Uh-huh. And my friend Janice, who owns the Pierpont Place in downtown, uh, I helped with a the Rack Pack Foundation. And that's um, a foundation for uh, breast cancer and breast cancer survivors. So I'm going to do that as my... 
uh, fundraiser for my birthday. Gosh, I should have done That's one of those awesome. on Facebook. I see them, you know, but sometimes I wonder, is it, is it good to donate that way or just go directly to the place? Well, I don't care. Just question. do yeah. it. Maybe yeah, just, research, find a local place that you really like what they do, find out who they are. And yeah. I mean, that all, all comes back to community service and, mm-hmm. and taking care of the peeps. I mean, I'm a very lucky person that I have. I have a home, I have a roof, I have a great family, I have an amazing friend network that I just added two badass and mofos to right here. <laughs> so you, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm a very lucky person. And I always say that there's like, would be a thousand people or tens of thousands of people that would line down my Murray Street, down 54th, on I-15, all the way to your guys' house that would trade me places in a second. So I'm a blessed person. And I need to remind myself that. And, you know, pay it forward whenever possible. I'll put the links at IamSaltLake.com with this episode mm-hmm. so people can, uh, you know, connect with, with you for Insatiable and stuff like that or just your your digital. But run down. I mean, is how, what's the best way for listeners to, to find out more about you, Jeff? Find out more about At Jeff Go Social. Simple enough. And, and, and like you were saying, across all social media. Right? Yeah. And then on top of that, my band, if, yeah. if everybody loves the, the Insatiable and you know, for those that have been fans for years and years and years, and those that want to find out for the first time, we're going to do a run of shows, uh, probably starting late February, early March. I'm just finalizing that right now. And so the Facebook page is facebook.com slash insatiable ska. And then, then that's going to be the best place connect there. And then that way they'll know where the shows are. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. And as soon as I have those shows planned, if you, you go there, I'll be like a bad rash on your Facebook feed. Okay. <laughs> Very awesome. cool. Christina likes to end the episode out with a question. I'll let her yes, uh, take before it we away get going. There. Would you leave one piece of life advice for our listeners? Oh, and I was I was so stoked and prepared for what did your childhood smell like? Okay, <laughs> first let's find out what your you childhood know, you know, smells like. It's funny because I started this a little differently, and every time I do that, people always get bummed out that I don't bring that question up. What did your childhood smell like? Oh, Jeff? come on! I'm, I was so ready for that. Sulfur, sulfur. Ooh, that's <gasps> mine. Kind of did too. That's kind. Of, did your family have a well? No, of no, like, no. Okay. I'm talking about blowing stuff up. Oh, oh were, I was you thinking were a bit of a pyro, water. maybe. No, it started, with, it started with the cap gun. Did you ever sure. have a cap gun? Of course. You could smell that. And then, uh, unfortunately, well, it was fun at the time, but my cousin <laughs> taught me how to make uh, gunpowder. Okay. Oh my. From scratch. <laughs> do you, I mean, I'm assuming you still know how to make gunpowder. <laughs> I absolutely do not. So. <laughs> <laughs> or off recording, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, so, so, far, so life advice? Yeah. yeah, life advice. Don't blow stuff up. That's uh, Well, try to not to blow stuff up. Keep all your fingers intact. I mean, it just goes back to um, life advice. Give as much as you can and you will receive. Don't expect any friendship or anything to give back to you, but it will tenfold if you just give without expectations of giving back. I know that sounds sappy and, and, and you hear that type of crap all the time, but that's seriously how you have to operate. I like to give music. I like to give service. I, you know, I like to be a loving person and I'm very fortunate to have, again, like I said, a great friend network, a great family, wonderful people around me and I'm blessed. And I try to, project that out. And I'll be the first person to say that I'm far from perfect when it comes to that. Yeah. So it's a hard thing to do, but it makes you just a better, happier, more fulfilled person. I mean, look across, she hasn't said a word, but Jody's here, my handler, and (laughs) she's already told me not to squeak my boots under the table already. And and I'm I'm happy to have a a, a good friend like that. That's who I care for very much. And I'm, I'm just lucky. I'm a lucky yeah. guy. So I'd like to pay it forward. And, and I mean, even an opportunity like this to be on uh, a podcast and, and then a few, you know, a little, a few days down the road, find you on Stitcher and have me put myself to sleep will be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had a heck of a conversation with you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so, so much, much for coming and doing this. I always tell people, you know, I like to bring people back through here, even if a year or so down the road, we reconnect Jeff and, and do another podcast. We might have to, to do that. All right. Know? Great. So, thank you so much. Many thanks again to Jeff Evans for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links to connect with Jeff can be found on our website, IamSaltLake.com slash 365.
Hey, before we get into our weekly recommendations, I wanted to tell you that to uh, start sending in your questions as Christine and I want to do another Q&A episode, but this time we want to release it just for our Patreon supporters. So however you're connected, I know I might be uh, opening up a can of worms, so to say, <laughs> where you know you can send us messages on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, or our email, hello at IamSaltLake.com. Send us your questions. I want to say no questions off limits. Do we want to say that? I mean, let's say no questions are off limits. However, let's not get perverted. We may have to be selective about it, answering yeah. some of them. Yeah, I guess I guess we don't want to really, you know, who, who did you kill or, or what's yeah. your favorite drug? I really or... don't want to talk about the bodies I buried. But other than that, <laughs> let's go for it. Yeah. So send them on in. I, I'm guessing maybe about another month or so we'll probably yeah. do this uh, thing. So maybe by the end of February, uh, stop sending your questions. In. Or, or maybe <laughs> stop the, talking to us. Or maybe this will be a regular. <laughs> regular thing that we yeah. do, right? But uh, anyway, it's our time for our weekly recommendations. This has been a really fun thing that we've done where Christina and I get to, you know, every week recommend something and it might be something that's we're recently enjoying or discovered or that we already enjoy in our daily life. And this is kind of fun because this is a keto themed recommendation where I'm going to recommend one of my favorite keto podcasts. I know it's the beginning of the year, a lot of you are uh, at New Year's resolutions, right? And you all of a sudden want to do keto and, and think you're going to lose 500 pounds. Which uh, you might. There is a podcast I listen to called Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole. Excellent podcast. They basically you know, tell some headlines of what's going on with keto in the news. Basically, they, they, they try to debunk some false information, uh, answer questions. Really great show. It's called Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and Dr. Will Cole, and you can listen to it in any uh, podcast player. So however you're listening to this podcast right now. What's your recommendation, Christina? So my recommendation is actually the Keto Made Easy Cookbook. I got to pick it up over here. Hold on. It is by uh, Mega Barrett and Matt. I cannot say their well, names, the, the, but Mega, Mega and Matt. Keto, Keto uh, Connect, I think is, you know, I, I love their their YouTube videos. So when we saw this book, we had I think to we buy picked it. it up at Target or something. Like yeah, that, yeah. Right? We were like, because you're like, I follow these guys. They're great. And okay, disclaimer, I'm not officially keto. But I'm fascinated with cooking keto and baking keto. Like, for some reason, I just love doing it. So we just got this cookbook. And uh, tonight, I'm actually going to make chewy chocolate chip cookies you, from the Keto Made Easy cookbook. You said you were going to make them last night. So I'm holding you to it. <laughs> I'm really going to do it tonight. <laughs> we're going to put a link for this, though, at uh, IamSaltLake.com slash 365 for this episode. So you can check it out in, and at least read the reviews. And if you want to buy it, you can buy it right there. It's got a lot of really yeah. awesome recipes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool thing. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Don't forget to support our show sponsors for this episode, Wizarding Days, Five Wives Vodka, and Market Source Real Estate. Also, I want to challenge each and every one of you, tell one friend this week about this podcast. Our advertising budget is very thin. So that's our advertising budget is us telling you. Us asking you to tell people. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's the only way this podcast is going to grow. It's right? true. Tell it's a true. friend, share it on social media, whatever it takes. Let's each bring one new listener to the podcast this week. And you can always send us an email to say hello at hello at IamSaltLake.com. If you want to send us a physical letter, package, or cookies, please you can, do, please, 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 cookies. You can send it to P.O. Box 4412, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84110. All right, you guys have a great week. Make sure to get out and enjoy the city, support local, and we're going to see you on that next episode. And good night, Grammy. Good night, Grammy.